We're going to be in Acts chapter 20 again, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. We're kind of at, we've been studying, uh, it's been a broken study, unfortunately, but we've been studying the, uh, the Paul's kind of final address, final instructions for the church at Ephesus. And so we're kind of at the end of that, at what you might call a benediction. He kind of sums up everything and really points to the one really important thing this church in Ephesus must stick to. And so we're going to see that this morning. Last week, and, and as just a reminder, as we've been working our way through this, we've seen that Paul has said that this is the only gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only gospel worth dying for. There are plenty of other gospels out there, self-help, uh, uh, prosperity, uh, just plenty of others, but this one's worth dying for. And what we're going to see this morning is it's also the power by which we live. We live by the power of this gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So where, he left, where we left off in the, in the last little section of, of Paul's final address here, he talked about focusing on the Word of God, staying, staying focused on the Word of God, because in, in, if we focus on the Word of God, then we protect ourselves and the church from the wolves, the wolves from outside the church and the wolves in sheep's clothing on the inside of the church. So focus on the Word of God. And then we'll see again this morning in his kind of benediction of his final address, we'll see what he says we must stay focused on as a church. So let's read Acts chapter 20, verses 32 to 35, and it will be up here behind me. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said... It is more blessed to give than to receive. So let's kind of work our way through this. The first thing he, he says is he commits, I commit you to God. First thing he says is that he commits them to God. He's trusting God to take over at this point. Now, that kind of sounds funny, trusting God to take over. At this. It hasn't been the work of God all along, right? But, but Paul, I think this shows that Paul has a pastor's heart. You know, there's a difference between an evangelist and a pastor. An evangelist preaches the word of God, but preaches the gospel in almost everything. You can be talking to the guy about a new alternator for his truck, and he'll figure the gospel into it somewhere. It's an amazing gift, but it's not the gift of most pastors. Most pastors have a shepherding and teaching type gift, and it's because care for the flock is a big part of a pastor's job. So what we see when Paul says he commits you, I, I commit you to God, what, he, what he's saying is, I've done what I can. Think of this in terms of a parent with children. There's a point, parents, where we have to say, okay, we, uh, we commit our children to God. We have done everything we can do for them. We have taught them. We have guided them. We have done what we can do. Now it's up to God for them to prosper, for them to continue. 
That's kind of what Paul is talking about here. It's kind of that, that father with children type relationship. So I think it shows that Paul has a pastor's heart. He has the, the shepherding and teaching. We, uh, we think of Paul off, often as an evangelist because he goes all over the Middle East preaching the gospel, but he stayed in Ephesus three years. Three years he was with them in Ephesus, molding their faith and showing them what's important, helping them to understand that, that Jesus is the Messiah. You, he, he's built into these people, he's invested in these people for three years. That's not an evangelist, that's a pastor. That's what a pastor does. And so we see his, his heart for these people in this. And again, consider it like parents with children. There is a point at which you've done everything you can do, and it's now up to the child and God to continue. And he says specifically that I, that I commit you to, the word, to God and to the word of his grace. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word of his grace is the gospel of Jesus. It's the, it's the word of God's grace come to us in Jesus. Now, he commits them to this gospel. Why? Why would he commit them to the gospel? They're, they've been with him three years. They know Christ at this point. This is the difference, again, between an evangelist and a pastor. He has taught them. He has invested in them. And, the, and, and the, the, the amazing thing about the gospel is it's not done with you the day you accept Christ. God's grace is not done with you at that point. It continues to work in you. So what churches have to focus on is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must be focused. That's where the power is. The power is not in programs. And it's not in, in the latest uh, church growth steps or books. It's not in marketing, you know, making sure everybody knows we're here and what times our services are. It's not in entertainment where we, we just try and catch your attention. The power is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power. And Paul tells them, stay focused on it. Stay focused on the gospel. The, 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 it, it's kind of incredible the power that the gospel has. Uh, <clears throat> Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1.18, The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to those of us who are being saved. The power of God resides in the gospel. It's the power of the message that Jesus Christ came. He's the, he's the ultimate example, the ultimate expression of who God is. Jesus came, and by grace you are saved. By the grace of God shown us in Jesus, you are saved. It isn't about how hard you work. It's about what he's already done. The finished work of the cross is the power of God. And that, that's why, as individuals as, and as a church, we have to stay focused on the power of the gospel. We, uh, we have been watching a History Channel uh, program on, on the Roman Colosseum. Have you seen it? It's, it's really been interesting. The last week or week before, recent, the, the most recent one was, was on Ignatius. Now, Ignatius was, a, was um, a, a Christian, and he was going to be martyred for his faith. He was causing too much trouble 
preaching the gospel. So he was going to be martyred for his faith. So they brought him to the Colosseum to be martyred in front of 50 to 70,000 people. He's martyred for his faith. Now, even the History Channel historians had to admit that it was the most powerful statement of faith that Rome had ever seen. 50 to 70,000 people watched a man die for the, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when he did, it changed Rome from that day on. It changed Rome. It changed everything about Rome. Rome had never understood that something could be worth dying for. That was foreign to their thought process. Their thought process was that death was the, the thing to be ultimately avoided at all costs because it was a pretty dark thing in their belief system. But, but to a Christian, that death meant so much. It was the power of the gospel that got him into that Colosseum, and it was the power of the gospel that, when he was martyred, changed Rome. The, the gospel is worth dying for, but as Paul says here, it's worth living for. It's worth the, the power of life and the power of a church. It's worth living for the gospel because the gospel is, is the ultimate power of God. And, it sa- and, and he says it's by the gospel that we're built up and sanctified. To be built up is to strengthen, to make more able, to increase the potential The word of his grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is not done with you when you come to Christ. It continues to work in you and through you for the whole time you're on this planet. And and that work doesn't finish until you're done, until you're perfected. And so the, the, the power of the gospel continues to strengthen you and to make you more able and to increase your potential. The the power of the gospel continues to work in you and through you. And then the word sanctify. It comes from a Latin word. Sanctus is the Latin word, which means holy. So to be sanctified is to be be made holy. When you see that word sanctified, it is to be made holy. Well, how are we made holy? In Christ alone. Nothing else There there is no other path. Look at your Old Testament, please. (laughs) Look at your Old Testament. You have the sacrificial system. You have the temple uh, rituals. You have all of that stuff that happens in the Old Testament, and it has to be repeated every year. It has to be repeated every month. It It never makes you holy because it has to continually be repeated. But the finished work of Jesus on the cross makes us holy. It sanctifies us and makes us holy. We are only sanctified in Christ. And then it talks about an inheritance as well. Only in Christ do we have an inheritance. Inheritance was, is a big deal to the Jewish believer. They, they understood the, uh, the land itself of Israel to be an inheritance from God. You'll see consistently, even today... You'll see in, in, in Orthodox Jews, you'll see them talking about haberets, which is the land, the land. It's over and over and over again, the land, the land, the land, because that's their inheritance. But the problem with that being 
an inheritance from God is they have to keep fighting to keep it. They are continually fighting to keep it. The inheritance that we have as Christians, it's in heaven. And it cannot be taken from you. It cannot. You don't fight for it. It's been bought. It's been paid for. And as, as 1 Peter 1.4 tells us, it will not perish. It cannot spoil. It cannot fade. And it's being kept for you by the very power of God. That's our inheritance in Christ. So in Christ alone are we built up, in Christ alone are we sanctified, and in Christ alone do we have an inheritance. This is the power of the gospel. And then Paul goes on and tells him he's been an example to them in ministry. Um, he, he's not done it for, all, for the wrong reasons. In, in fact, in the section we, we looked at last time, not last week, but last time, uh, he, he's, he was talking to those that the Holy Spirit is appointed as overseers. So the first, uh, the first thing that, that Paul talks about in ministry is being called to it. Being called to the ministry. It's different to be called by God to do something than to just do it out of guilt. <laughs> or do it because it needs done. Or do it because it, it, maybe it would, it, would, uh, it would make you look good in the church, or maybe you're trying to earn God's favor by doing it, that none of that is like being called to the ministry. He's talking to those that are called to the ministry. He's talking to you and I because each and every one of us are called to a ministry. Each and every one of us. Not everyone has to stand up here to complete his call. But you have a call on your life. You have a call on your life in ministry. And so the first thing that he's an example to them is that he was called into ministry. And then, then he, he goes on and talks about greed. Because greed is a universal problem. And Christians are not immune to greed. I wish we were, but we're not. We're not immune to the idea of greed. And so he goes on and talks about how he worked how he, he never took anything from the church, how he worked with his own hands to support himself. He's not against a paid ministry. In fact, he spends most of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 talking about paying ministers. That's not the issue. The issue is doing it for the wrong reasons. The issue is, is if you're doing it for the money, then you have the wrong reasons. There was, uh, you, you may have seen in the, in the uh, news the last couple of weeks, uh, made, made national news because a pastor stood in front of his church and yelled at them because they had, didn't buy him a new watch. Is this guy in, the right, in, in ministry for the right reason? I don't know his heart. I, I'm not, I'm not going to judge him, but by his actions, I would say, he has the wrong motivations for ministry. Is he called into it? Is he doing it out of a desire for people to know the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or is he doing it for a new watch? I don't know. I don't judge the guy. But we got to do ministry for the right reason. It's got to be about called by God, and it's got to be about being ha having a, a deep desire for people to know Jesus. That's what ministry should be. And then Paul 
says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And he, and he says, Jesus said this. A couple of things here. First of all, Jesus doesn't actually say these words anywhere in the Gospels. He doesn't actually say these words. Now, he does say lots about giving. In, in Luke 6, he says, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We get the idea, and we can certainly say that Jesus' life shows this, can't we? Because did, did Jesus not give everything for you? Everything, including his life? He gave everything for you. And so we can see it in his life. But we don't see these words from Jesus in the Gospels. Now, at the end of John's Gospel, he does say, John does say, that, that Jesus did a lot more and said a lot more, and that not everything was written down, because if it was, the world itself couldn't, ha- couldn't hold the books that, it would, that would contain it. We know from the life of Jesus that to give is better than to receive. We know that from the life of Jesus, even if we never see it from his lips. And there's, there's a, a, another thing I want to point out to you in this verse, because you may, at some point in your, in your time, you may have, have been confronted by a pastor saying, using this verse to say you need to give more to the church. He is using it out of context and using it wrong. Think about the context of this verse. He's telling, Paul is telling the leadership of the church to give to the congregation of the church. He's telling the leaders that to give is more, is is blessed more than to receive. So if this is used to raise funds, it's being used wrong. It's being used out of context. And and context is everything for this verse. So I'll, I'll point out again, it's not about money. It is about because he's, not, he's out not asking these elders to give their money. What he's asking these elders to do is invest in the people in the church. This verse is not about money. Paul's talk here is not about money. It's about motivations. It's about why you do what you do. <coughs> That's what Paul's talking about in these verses. And so Paul's final advice here. What Paul has to say to this church that he's invested in for three years is simply stay focused on the gospel. Because in the gospel is the very power of God. And and the power of God continues to work in you through the gospel for the rest of your days on this earth. Stay focused on the power of the gospel. That's what church leaders must do. That's what churches do must do. Stay focused on the power of the gospel. So I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. Because the the question I want to ask is, do you know the gospel? Have you accepted that Jesus died in your place on that cross? The word of his grace tells us that Jesus died in your place on that cross and that he finished the work, and that he rose again on the third day to give you life. That life is empowered by the Holy Spirit 
That life is empowered by the grace of God. Have you accepted that gospel? Because you can this morning. It's as simple as a prayer. You, you simply say, God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. That he died and rose again to give me life. Empower me with your grace this morning. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Let one of our our deacons know. Elbow your neighbor. Let them know that you accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Will you commit to staying focused on the gospel this morning? We pray with me. Father, we, we ask that you remind us of the importance and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Empower us with it and, and keep us focused on your grace through Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.